Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I am your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter and founder of The Copyworks. In this podcast, I interview marketing and copywriting experts on all facets of, well, marketing and copy, with an emphasis on the link between the two, with a focus on creating higher conversions in your B2B business. I also include recordings from the other side of the table where I'm interviewed by the host of other podcasts and short clips of tips from yours truly on copywriting. In short, you'll find something for everyone in the marketing and copywriting B2B world. Let's dig in. My guest today is Seth Erickson. He calls himself the chief mischief maker for Storyfy Agency, where he works with startups and other businesses to build unique brands. He's also an award-winning author of the book, How to Hack Humans, Storytelling for Startups. In our interview today, Seth dives into how the brain is like a computer, why storytelling is such a powerful form of communication. And he makes a pretty good case for using storytelling in B2B marketing. So let's dive right in. Okay, Seth Erickson, I am excited to talk to you. We've never actually met before, so this is a whole new thing. But the whole thing with storytelling is that it really, you know, it brings you back to like childhood, you know, like I'm going to tell you a story. And so I love that it's being used now for bigger brands. And, and so I really want to get into how all of that works. Before I, I get into some of my bigger questions, can you start with a little bit about your background, like how you ended up being where you are and how you came into the whole storytelling business? Yeah. Back in 2015, I was running a successful web design agency and I was kind of getting disillusioned with what we were doing as a company because we were making a ton of money. And then every time we went back to clients and said, well, are you getting more ROI? Are you getting more sales? Are you getting more contacts? They said, no, but we really love the website. And I was like, okay, what are we doing here? We're getting paid all this money and we're not actually helping these customers. That doesn't make sense to me. And the whole reason I started the business was I wanted to help people and I wanted to help grow their business and because we weren't moving the needle. I started to look at that and go, we're failing, even though by outward standards, we're succeeding. We're, the company's growing, we're winning awards, right? Like, so something's disconnected here. And I worked with a guy who was the international head of branding for GoDaddy. He's a, a friend of mine. And we went through this really long exercise of like, what is your brand? What are you trying to do? Where are you guys going? And at the end of it, he goes, you're a storyteller. And I was like, great. How do I make money as a storyteller? <laughs> and he gave me this book called uh, Winning the Story Wars by Jonah Sachs. And that book pretty much blew my mind. I was like, this is absolutely fascinating. At that point in time, we were also trying to go, okay, we're great at pushing pixels around the screen. We're great at doing development. We're great at you know making things pretty, but how do we actually market? Because we didn't really understand that. We were just designers who made pretty things. And and so we started going down this marketing path, trying to learn like, you know, what is marketing and how do we do this effectively and whatnot. And we've basically found what I would call just a lot of crap that like I was like, I don't like this. This makes me feel icky when I try to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and storytelling really kind of resonated with me. And from that book, I was like, I need to learn more about storytelling. And, you know, I read The Hero with a Thousand Faces. I read Story by Robert McKee and, and started understanding storytelling. And then from that, there was 
some of the books started talking about the neuroscience. And so I said, okay, well, if there's neuroscience, I want to know more about that because now we're not, we're getting out of the theoretical into the actual practical application of what's happening in somebody's brain when they're hearing a story. And why is this format better than any other form of marketing? And so got into that and then started applying storytelling and it started to help our customers and we started to see the, the needle move. And then we said, okay, this makes a lot of sense. We should rebrand, which we did into Storyfy Agency, which is an actual word. People think it's kind of like Shopify or Spotify. That's made up words. Storyfy means to tell or narrate in story. So rebranded and yeah, and then came out yeah. with the book and just kind of have been advocates for use storytelling and everything you do because it's the way that humans communicate. So. That's so interesting. I want to get back to something you mentioned a little ways ago, the neuroscience. So that's, tell me a little bit about that. So there actually is like a, a brain, something that happens in our brain that makes storytelling more Yeah. So appealing? there's, there's actual, actually several things. In the book, I talk about five different things. There's actually a lot more than what I talked about, but I just, I picked kind of the most interesting, interesting things and then tried to keep it sort of at a pop psychology level so people could not be bored to tears <laughs> trying to read <laughs> read this stuff. But um, yeah, so there's a bunch of different things. So there's mirror neurons that we have that fire when we see somebody going through an action. So there's studies where they show one person sitting and observing somebody dribbling a basketball. The same neural pathways that are firing in the person's brain that are bouncing the basketball are, are firing in the person who's watching the basketball be dribbled. So a good good example of this is like you go to a movie and you're watching a movie about a hero or heroine doing something and you're feeling stressed or anxious or excited or whatever. It's because those mirror neurons are firing. And so that's one of the aspects that storytelling does is when you tell a story, it starts to help the brain link up. Another study showed that there was a, a person who was standing up on stage narrating. They hooked that person's brain up to like a brain scan machine and then hooked up the audience. It was like 500 or a thousand people. I always get the number wrong. And they had the speaker stand there and start talking and telling a story. And then what they saw was over time, everybody's brain waves started to sync to the same frequency that the storyteller's brain wave was syncing at. So some really weird science fiction stuff that's that's going on. One of the other things is it, it affects memory. Stories stay in your, in your memory uh, more long-term mm -hmm. than facts and figures do. So there's been a lot a lot of kind of discussion and, and study around that. But to give you one of the studies, they, they had one person stand up and give a bunch of facts and figures. They had another person stand up and tell a story. And then afterwards, they basically quizzed everybody on the, on the two different people that spoke and people that gave facts and figures, the audience was only able to remember about 30% of it. Whereas the storyteller, people were able to remember 75% of the details of the story. So these types of things kind of all point back to the fact that like, there is a better way to communicate with humans. And then mm -hmm. there's a crummy way to communicate with humans. <laughs> and most people are still using, trying to like persuade people with facts and figures and data right. and things like that. But um, once you tie that into a story, then it starts to go into their memory and it sticks with them. And then mm -hmm. what happens is when you tell a good story, people want to tell that story to other people and, and it becomes viral at that stage. So those are, I think that was four different things. There's another aspect that happens, which is called simulation which is the brain is always problem solving. It's always looking for patterns and it's trying to figure out how to keep us alive. And another good example, again, using movies is we, when we watch a movie, read a good book, 
we sometimes lose time. And the reason we're losing time is because our, our brain is recreating what's actually happening in that story, putting ourselves in that situation and going, what would I do in that situation? And so that's part of the simulation. And simulation happens all the time around us. I can give you a good example right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was your favorite teacher in grade school? Did you have a favorite teacher in grade school? Probably Mrs. Anderson. She was my first grade teacher. And it's weird to to remember that far back. (laughs) Okay. So your mind just created a simulation, went back through, through all the, all the teachers you had. Uh And now you probably can imagine what she looks like. You may remember her in a specific situation where she became your favorite teacher because she said this thing or she encouraged you or whatever you've essentially run that simulation in your head. And so, and then that links into your memory. And so all these things actually end up connecting together once you kind of see the the bigger picture, but you don't get there unless you have a story. (laughs) That's so interesting. Is this related to empathy? Like when you're watching a movie and there's a sad scene. Yeah. That's the mirror neurons. Yeah. Okay. Because you can't even real unless you're a psychopath. I mean, you can't really fight it, you know, because I've watched shows and I'm watching with my husband and I don't want him to see that I'm tearing up because he'll make fun of me. So, <laughs> so I try to hide it, but it's you just get wrapped up in the story yep. and you feel like you're there and you feel like that person who is experiencing whatever mm-hmm. the horrible thing is. So well, and that and, and that brings up another interesting point. One of the things that they've found through the science is that the way that you push a memory from short term, so short term is kind of like our RAM, like it, our brain goes through and cleans it out because it's like you can't remember everything that you ever did or else you would just, <laughs> your brain would melt. <laughs> so it, so a lot of things get cleaned out of short term memory. And then the things that, that are emotionally driven move from short term into long term memory. You're more likely to remember a really positive experience or really negative experience because mm-hmm. the emotion that was in it. So that's one of the things that I talk about in storytelling is like, if you don't have emotion, people are not going to remember the story because there's nothing to move that memory from short term to long term. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because in conversion copywriting, what I do is it's all about having the person feel an emotion. And that's mm-hmm. the, it's constantly about, and I, and I post about this all the time on LinkedIn is how if people don't feel anything, they're not going to do anything. They have yeah. to feel. And that's why, you know, people say, oh, you know, the, the problem agitation solution formula that is used a lot in copywriting. It's like, oh, why do you, you, know, you tell the problem, you agitate it, like really mm-hmm. poor, like lemon Stick juice. Your finger <laughs> <in the wound>. <laughs> <laughs> and people think it's so mean, but they, but then you, you're going to provide the solution. So it's not like you're leaving them hanging, but that's the only way people will say, you know what, I really need to take care of this problem. It's because they're feeling that discomfort. But as far as B2B marketing, so how does storytelling fit in? Because I've been hearing more and more about this with B2B companies, like they're hiring people to come in and and help them build this brand story. So Mm -hmm. how does that relate, like transfer over to marketing? Yeah, well, to look at it from a a higher 10,000 foot view, the you have a brand at the center of your brand is a story. And at the center of your story is your customer. So you need to be able to to write copy, which is to, again, use storytelling. It's it's a tool, essentially. But you need to tell the story about the customer. What is their problem? What are they experiencing? How are you going to help them overcome it? A simple formula for telling a good story is you have a problem, right? That's the problem your customer has. You have a solution. That's your product. And then there's the thing that people miss a lot of times is there's a transformation. And you need to be able to talk about that transformation. And, and what I just said very much follows 
you know, problem, agitate the problem, you know. So you're telling a story in that way, but so much of B2B communications is corporate speak. So to get to the, the crux of the problem is that people do not talk to other people like humans. They talk to them like they're robots or they talk like they're a robot. And so there's this disconnect where they're just giving information instead of actually telling a story. Mm -hmm. And so we've all seen these emails where it's like, hi, so-and-so, I work for this amazing company and you know we're super great and it's all me, 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 and we should set up a meeting. And it's like, no stranger, I don't know you. And all you did was talk about yourself. And it's like going to a party, running into somebody who just goes, blah, 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 I'm super amazing. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna go somewhere else now because we're not actually having a conversation. Right. It's a um, monologue. Yeah. And I do a lot of work in the B2B area with, with my clients. Uh, I have a client uh, specifically who sells uh, B2B to the enterprise, uh, enterprise IT. And we constantly tell stories. We use analogies to drive those stories. We had a, I was just laughing because I was thinking about, I listened to several, several of your podcasts before the show and I was listening to the lady that talked about humor in her. Oh, um, Emily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I use a lot of humor and I use humor, humor through analogizing. So we had this email campaign that we sent out and it was around Halloween. And so I was like, well, we're going to do like a horror story or something. And so we tied the idea of legacy software. So this is the software that's, you know, the company's holding on to for 20 years because they don't want to update it, right? It was written, you know, in the past and they're like, it's too expensive to change and stuff. And the story that we told is um, something along the lines of you want to double tap grandma because she's turned into a zombie, but management won't let you, you know? <laughs> like, And so we told this like whole, whole uh, we analogize this whole thing about this old software that management wants to keep running. And so they've got grandma locked up in the basement because if she runs free, you know, she's going to go around and biting everybody. And that's like the software has kind of got like all these security risks and everything. And so we, we kind of tie all these ideas together and we, we got quite a few laughs from that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny. Cause even like on that, podcast, you know, what, what we were talking about was how humor is, you know, B2B is, is wary of it. Cause if it's not done right, or if it's you know, like, you're, you're always, you're always going to tick off people. It doesn't matter what you do, you know, mm -hmm. but humor, you think about like the dollar dollar shave club. I'm sure you've mm -hmm. seen, have yeah. seen that commercial. Yeah. It's hilarious, but he uses the F word. He's, you know, he's ridiculous. And the whole thing though, you can't help but laugh at some point, you know? And so it, it's just funny though, that people are still a little bit nervous about it. Like what was the general response to that? Do you, has it been? Long yeah. I mean, we, we, we got, we got a bunch of laughs and, and people, people got a kick out of it. We didn't get any emails back saying you guys are stupid or, or whatever. <laughs> like I, I try to use humor all the time. And I think, so, you know, in, in my mind, there's some, there's some good rules that you can follow around humor. One don't make jokes about politics. Don't make jokes about religion. Don't make jokes about sexuality. Like other than that, you're pretty, you're pretty free to have a wide range of jokes that you can make that are not going to offend anybody. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> my, my book is, is a funny example. Uh, one of the most glowing reviews that I got about my book, it's, it's like three or four paragraphs long. This guy was like, I absolutely love this book, da, 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 da. but he's like, I'm not giving it five out of five stars. Cause I did not care for Seth's humor. <laughs> really? <laughs> and so even though, even though he appreciated the information, he thought it was amazing. He's just like, this guy's humor is not my cup of tea, but I know that. 
right? Like as an author, I'm not trying to write for everybody. And mm-hmm. I realize there's some people I'm going to like, or are going to like me and some people that aren't, but that's really how you build, start building a strong brand is, is you have those people who are fans and then there's people who don't like you and you realize that you're not right for everybody and that's right. okay. It's all part of the process. And it's, right. it's like, because we're humans, right? Like all of us have people that either like us or don't like us for whatever reasons, but you know, it's, it's part of life. And what about telling a story about your brand itself? So say you go to an about page of a company, like how can you use storytelling in that? Because I always say, you know, your about page is still about your reader, about your customers. So even though it's like, I would tell like my credentials, but it benefits you because of this kind of thing. So can you weave storytelling into like an about page? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what you said is exactly what I, I recommend. It's like, don't tell me the story of how, you know, you were built 20 years ago and, you know, all this stuff. Explain to me why the company exists. Mm-hmm. And most companies were built to solve a specific problem for their customer. So tell that story. That's the story we're looking for. Um, you know, on that same subject, like people always are like, well, what do I do? How do I tell a story with a personal brand? It's like you you tell the same story of, of your experience, but then you talk about the transformation that you had and then because of that transformation, that's why you are the right person to help somebody overcome those same challenges. So they're pretty much the same, but companies just, you know, they, they spend too much time, you know, flapping their gums about how they're award winning and they have Mm -hmm. the best customer service and all this stuff. And it's like, everybody expects that. Like nobody's going, I want to hire the company that, you know, treats me like dirt as soon as I (laughs) sign up with them. Right. Like, yeah. So I, I think you're exactly right that, you know, there is a story that you can tell about yourself, but it needs to be positioned in the way that it's telling it about the customer as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's why, because I used to be a fitness trainer for a long time. I think that's why those fitness stories are so effective. If somebody lost a hundred pounds and now they're going to help other people, it's like, okay, so people who they want to attract are thinking, all right, they know what I've been through. They know yeah. what it's like. And so it's that whole being able to relate to that person. The only thing that I was laughing to myself that I'm thinking, because I remember this is back in California. There was a woman, she survived and it was okay, but she was attacked by a mountain lion and she survived and had this whole story. And then she became a motivational speaker. And I thought to myself, okay, how do you go from, you know, you're just a regular person. You were attacked. So you tell people how to recover from a mountain lion attack. I don't know how many people can relate to that. I don't know if she was successful, but to me, it's like not, every challenge can translate. To that. <laughs> well, it could be a story of resilience, you know, yeah. in the face of overwhelming odds, like mm-hmm. people love those stories, but circling back to what, what you were saying before about like seeing somebody who's gone through it and can understand, right. The hero's journey in the story, there's always the guide or the mentor who comes along and helps the hero. You know, there's the Obi-Wan Kenobi who was like, I was a Jedi once in the dark days. You know, that's a person that you're like, okay, you figured it out. Can you help me? Because I need help. Right. And that, and and that relationship is better than me just floundering around going, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'll just keep trying stuff. And, you know, and so, yeah, as, so that's, you know, one thing that like, I'm sure your audience is probably f- uh, familiar with like story brand. Like they talk mm-hmm. a lot about like, you know, you need to be the, you know, the guide and, you know, the way that a guide talks and is, is it's about leading people. It's not about like um, saying, let me do this for you, you know? And I think good copywriting does that. It, it leads people to the conclusion that you, you want them to, to see, but you have, you need certain points along the way that, or certain notes that need to be hit to, to allow mm-hmm. them to get there. 
Right. No one likes being told what to do. You know, I mean, right. there's so many marketing books I've read about, you know, how to come up against that resistance. It's like, and I always joke about how when I was a trainer and I'm, people are paying me a hundred bucks an hour and they're still arguing with me. It's like, you, <laughs> you're paying me for my expertise and yet you're fighting with me. You know, I'm being paid to tell you what to do and still, you know, so even then it's like, let me tell you a story about somebody who didn't listen to me. I don't know. I don't know how that we've even gone, but maybe it says something <laughs> from why I'm a copywriter now. But my last question is, do you have like some steps like to tell a good story? Is there a uh, format that you recommend? Yes. So I, I go I go into it in, in the book, but, you know, essentially you need to, you know, you need to figure out what the problem is. And then you need to connect that problem. And it, and it, and like I said, honestly, it follows what you said. Like you've, you've got a problem and then I call it sticking your finger in the wound, right? You've got to exacerbate that problem and make it more emotional so that it starts to kind of like stick with people and they're like, Ooh, this is a problem. Or maybe they don't necessarily see it as a problem or they're like, it's a nuisance, but now we're turning it into danger, <laughs> if you right. will. And so you do that, you, and then, um, so you make that problem bigger and the way that you make that problem bigger is you explain why it's happening and maybe you explain other areas where they didn't realize that the problem was happening. I was I was talking with a client recently and they were like, yeah, I mean, stress, it's really bad for their body. And I was like, but what else is it bad for? And they were like, well, you know, it's health and da, da, da. I was like, stress destroys relationships, right? So you may be having problems with friends, a loved one, family members, kids, you know, like so this, this problem is actually bigger than you realize. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of went through and, and started to kind of expand that problem out and help people to see the, the scope and the scale of the problem in a different way. And, and you do that by expanding on it and going to a deeper level. And, and, you know, the mentor does that for their customer to help them really grasp what the stakes are. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you have the opportunity to say, but I can help you. I understand what you're going through and here's how I'm going to help you. And, and, and then from there you need to move to, and once I help you, here's the transformation. So like I said, problem, solution, transformation, but I go into more depth in the book. So there's my mm -hmm. plug for, you should buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of explaining like, how do you break those, com those components down and tell a compelling story in, in a way that will get people to take action. Yeah. And it doesn't sound hard to do. Like it really just seems like a matter of sitting down and just kind of going through it and with what no, you know. No. And, and here's the problem. Actually, I'll, I'll give you an example that I think anybody in your audience can kind of follow along with. So if I come up to you and I say, okay, 16, 24, 39, 11, two, do you know the next number in that sequence? Do I? No, but I'm bad at math, even if it's any kind of problems. <laughs> but why not? I gave you all the information. <laughs> yeah. You should know, right? I gave you the information. But if I come to you and I say one, two, three, four, five, six, what's the next number in the sequence? Right. Seven. Yes. I even knew and that so, one. <laughs> but that is, so that's the difference between giving people a bunch of information, writing a bunch of copy, and then telling a story. A story actually puts together a sequence that the brain can follow along and go, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I understand why I need this thing. I have to have it by now. Mm. Right. And so what we see, so we still do websites, but now our websites are story driven. And what we see is 90 plus percent of, of websites and content out there is just giving people information. And then there's the marketer sitting down on the other side going, why don't they get it? I know what 273256 you know <laughs> means why don't right. they and, and so the storytelling starts to kind of 
put it in the order that the brain can go, I get it. I'm going from A to B to C to D Mm -hmm. and I understand. And because I understand, I can make a decision. Right. And if you don't understand, it's just like, Oh, this is more gobbledygook. I just read on some website. So there's, there's the big difference is there's a lot of people writing, copying and giving information and data, but they're not putting it in the right format. That makes total sense. So your book, How to Hack Human Storytelling for Startups, is that where is that available and where can people find you? So it's on Amazon. And okay. just last week, we were, the audiobook version was released. So that one is, oh. it's a little bit different than the main book, mainly because I kind of go off script in different places and I do really bad impersonations of famous people. And, and there's <laughs> So you out- narrate it yourself then? Yeah, I narrate oh, it myself. Good. So there's a bunch of outtakes of me doing really random silly things like singing songs and after Warning. I mess up, you know, and, and then there's a director's commentary, which I had a, somebody interviewed at the end of the book, just talking about, well, why did you create this book and what was your impetus for this? But to the point uh, that you're talking about with the other lady that you talked to, I use a lot of humor in the book. I didn't want the book to be boring. I didn't want it to be dry. I don't spend a lot of time giving fluff. I'm like, I give you very action-oriented things. Actually, mm-hmm. the final third of the book is like, how do you apply storytelling in an ad, on your website, in an email? Like, I just tell tell people how to do it instead of saying, and if you want to know more, you got to hire us to do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not always possible. I can't wait to read it now because I'm excited about it. And where else can they find? Are you active on LinkedIn? Are you? I, I'm on LinkedIn. I post some things on Instagram. I post some things on Facebook. I'm not really active on, on Facebook or Instagram. I mean, you'll get a post from me like, once a month maybe and i usually don't talk about storytelling i'm taking pictures of like barbecue that i'm making (laughs) (laughs) what about tiktok have you jumped in that band no no (laughs) i keep thinking about it but that yeah that's something that is one of those every every day on you know every platform it's like you have to get on tiktok and i don't know it just it has to be where your audience is too yeah 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 i post a lot of like carousels and different things uh, around storytelling and why should you use storytelling and and then other things around like web design, um, you know, business things like that. So that's where most most people are going to see me most active. Okay, and your website is storyfyagency.com. Awesome. Well, this has been so great of a conversation. This is a lot. Of, I learned a lot just listening to you, and I'm excited to to have you on. So thank you so much, Seth, for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, so that wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it valuable. And if you did and you enjoyed it, please be sure to share it with friends and business associates who may find it of interest as well. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn or you can reach out to me through my website at thecopyworks.com and we'll talk to you soon.